All right, welcome back to another episode of Foundation 14's Warfighter Roundtable. I'm your host today, Josh Waringa, and I'm in the studio here with Drew Cummings, and we got Nick Queen on the phone all the way from out east, wherever you're at these days. Um, North, North Carolina, maybe. North Carolina, right on, man. So anyhow, today we thought we'd do a little, do things a little differently. We've, you know, we've had people on our podcast just to talk about different things. Um, but we had an anniversary, the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. We figured we'd, you know, we're all Iraq vets. We'd figure we kind of like, you know, tell you what you didn't see on the TV. But before we, before we jump into that, just want to do our, our little disclaimer. As a reminder, we're not here to um, diagnose, cure PTSD or other mental health disorders. We're, we're really here to share the thoughts and opinions of those of us on the podcast. Um, and these are thoughts and opinions. They're not necessarily representative of the Foundation 14 organization as a whole. So if you have any questions, uh, as you guys know, you have our, our ability to reach out to us on Facebook, follow us for events and stuff like that. And if you have any questions about the stuff we're talking about, please reach out. Right on. All right, man. So yeah, 20 years, that's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. You know, I was, I think I was a junior in high school when, when the war kicked off in, in 03. And uh, yeah. So March 20th of 2003, President George W. Bush announces that U.S. forces have begun a military operation into Iraq. Quote, these are opening stages of what will be a broad and concerted campaign. End quote. The president says that initial effort to decapitate Iraq's leadership with airstrikes or with strikes fails, clearing the way for a ground invasion. So, I mean, really, that was kind of the kickoff. There was uh, was right. the 20th. You know, it's, we, we you say like it's been 20 years, right? That's like yeah. a long time. And when, when you realize like it started in 2003, we joined the army in 2005. It's <laughs> yep. like, Oh my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was like, yeah, the invasion was a long time ago as a teenager. I was like, Oh, it was only two years. Yeah. I graduated. Full circle, man. Yep. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I joined in, in 05 and geez, I mean, within a little over a year I was in, in Iraq mm-hmm. and, yeah, we were on Sand Hill at the same time, didn't yeah. we? Like we were like a company apart or something. Echo, Echo 150. Yep. I was uh, Echo 119. Oh, yeah. So, And then Nick was not even near Fort Benning. No. When did you join, Nick? Um, I went into boot camp the summer of 2006, and then I was boots on the ground. Um, Let's see, we did our workup in fall of 2007. It was like January 1st, um, 2008 that I was over. So, you know, by the time you do, you know, boot camp and then went to infantry school, and then it was like I was home for a couple months, and it's like, guess what? <laughs> Go play in sandbox. Like, well, that was quicker than I thought, but yeah. all right. Just for all of our listeners out there, so – uh, Nick was the United States Marine Corps and Josh and I were both in the army. All of us were in the infantry. Um, so we kind of have a unique perspective over all of this and yeah. yeah. The only, the only real perspective. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I agree. We're just, we're just going to start the trash talking. <laughs> yep, out exactly. The gate, man. <laughs> sorry for all of our Pogue listeners out there, but uh, not sorry. Yeah. But Nick, you and you and Anthony um, deployed together. You were in the same squad, right? Yeah, we were in the same uh, company. He was in a different platoon, but I mean, we 
for a lot of the times, I mean, we saw each other pretty often. Um, it was like half the deployment that uh, my platoon got stationed a little bit different spot, but you know, they'd come run supplies to us and stuff or, you know, vice versa. So yeah, you're it was kind of cool, you know, in the middle of nowhere. somewhere like yo what up dude okay. oh yeah we were way out there well what's really funny is so i was in ramadi downtown ramadi at the government center right <laughs> we had one platoon of guys right and the marines would always show up man and they would rat fuck all of our supplies you know rippets honey buns whatever it was and the crack muffins and this guy and cosme used to come to the gov center all the time when i was there which is like weird. <laughs> What's even weirder than that is who I replaced at the government center. Chris Johnson was there and my platoon relieved his platoon and he That's lived wild, there. Man. It's so like weird how connected it is. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, I was, yeah. Cause like me and you didn't know each other from Adam then. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had no idea who you were and it wasn't until conversations years later, you know, like, wait, <laughs> the government center like yeah. like spring 08 yeah yeah man like that's you're a motherfucker coming place. to steal all our good stuff yeah, you know yeah, like, was. i was like yeah man Catch you guys walking away with pallets walking through the gate. yeah yeah <laughs> that was us <laughs> yeah i was at i mean it's further apart but i was sitting at the legion in Milan one night and i was just chit-chatting and Drew's dad, Steve, was asking me some questions, and I said, yeah, I was by this giant power plant down in Musayib. He's like, wait, Camp Dogwood? And I was like, Fabiscan, but there was a camp there. Showed him one photo, and he's like, dude, I used to sleep right there. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> same, same spot. So, just a couple of years later. but That's funny how that works, man. You know, my old man, just for background on that, was in the Navy for six years during Vietnam, and then got out, had a break in service and got back in the guard in like the 90s and then deployed in 03 for like 14 or 15 months uh the initial first phase of the war so but yeah like josh is saying i mean they they kicked the same rocks and the same dirt so yep same mud same that that the euphrates is so wet man i don't know if you guys ever hung out down there at all but like it would rain and uh well you guys know we have like Burn shitters and piss tubes, right? So we had a sandbag walkway because we get Article 15. We get in trouble, right? If we didn't use the the urinals, right? The piss tubes, which is for our listeners. Uh, so all it is is a PVC pipe that's maybe like 10 feet long, dug about what six, eight feet into the ground. And the idea is that it would just drain into the ground. But the water table was so high at the Euphrates that we would pee into the tube, but it would not drain. It would just pour outside of the tube and then f- get into this puddle. And so we would wade through a platoon or two's worth of just piss Iraqi and, water yeah. from the Euphrates Ugh. and piss and it just stank it always, all the time. All of Iraq stinks. Something right. was always fucking on fire, burning in the distance. Oh, yeah. You know, and and God forbid if there's a dust storm, man, because, mm-hmm. you know, that orange fog that lasts for like three or four days and yeah. coats everything in that fucking baby powder, moon powder bullshit. Yep. Yep. Then you're pulling boulders out of your nose for the next <laughs> three days. Three years. Yep. Oh, yeah. Dude, that was the worst. Like, you like bump the side of your nose or whatever. Oh, and, like, yeah. you squish one of those like booger rocks in there. And you're it's like, ow. You're like, what rock, the yeah. hell? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You dig it out and you're like, God damn, that's like a pebble. Oh, fucking terrible. Right so it was like, you know, we, so we all joined like right within what, two, three years after the invasion. So 
what kind of like triggered you guys to go, all right, let's do this. Cause it was all over the TV, like the statues coming down, everybody's running around in open back Humvees, DCUs, M16s hanging out of the back. I think thug is hell out there for a while. I think for me, like, you know, most GWAT vets, it's obviously September 11th, 2001, you know, everybody remembers where they were that day. Um, and you know, I won't get into the political part of it, obviously, you know, the whole WMDs and in Iraq and this and that, whatever. Long story short, I joined because that's what I always wanted to do. You know what I mean? I wanted to be in the army and I wanted to be in the infantry. So that happened. And I remember senior year in high school, I want to say, 04, and that was uh, Phantom Fury there, uh, first battle of Fusion. I remember watching it on TV and I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy, man. And little did I know, like two and a half years later, I'd be right down the road from that exact area. So I remember driving through Fallujah too, man. And it was just like, it looked like Berlin, 1945, you know, just bombed out shit everywhere. You know, Nick, you, you, uh, you went through there too, didn't you? Yeah, we, uh, so, um, the first place that uh, we got stationed, so we went into uh, Habania, out to Kadem. Oh, yeah. Um, we're, yeah, we were stationed on the backside of Hob, and uh, we got moved out to, what was that, um, MSR Michigan and Irons. Yeah. Yep. And there was a police, there was an Iraqi police station there. And so we were part of a, a pit team of, it was a uh, was it police integration training? Yeah, police. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was crazy because the Palm Grove right across from where that was, um, my unit that had just gotten back because we got we called ourselves the Dirty Dozen. So like twelve of us got farmed out from weapons company from one battalion into another battalion, and so when I joined my unit, they were overseas. And come to find out that Palm Grove, like they had some major firefights coming out of that place. And, you know, here I am like a year and a half later, like living in a building with like Iraqi cops, like across the street from like where a bunch of dudes got fucked up, mm-hmm. you know? So that was, that was kind of weird. And then, um, we go into the city sometimes and stuff. And it was like you said, man, like it was just, you drive by some stuff and you're like, holy shit, man. Different world, man. I am. I I was a um, the youngest guy in the mortar section, and so of course Mister Expendable here got thrown up in the gun turn because it's a, not a great place to sit. <laughs> I was always in the gun, always, always, always. Yeah, I remember my first patrol. Like I was out in the country, so we were down at the very southern tip of that Sunni Triangle. Mm-hmm. So like, if Radies, uh, Fabiscan was Fabiscan is where we were based out of, but we operated my company's AO was out of Jerfusaker Patrol Base, which you mentioned burn pits. Mm-hmm. Jerfusaker Patrol Base mm-hmm. popped up on the registry. I was like, really? That thing burned like a twenty foot by twenty foot burn pit. Just was on fire. Mm-hmm. We slept right next to it. Like, oh yeah, that's where the mortar tube was when we first got there. But I remember driving through. And these, these giant homes, dude, and they're just leveled flat, half falling apart. Oh, yeah. And they'd be out in the middle of a field, and I'm just like, holy crap, there's not a building that hasn't been knocked down in this area. And it turns out, I didn't know it at the time, because probably I was dumb private and just not paying attention to briefings and stuff, but El Hakram Biochemical Weapons Plant was in that area. And that's why we were there, because there's a bunch of old Republican Guard dudes still hanging out, and we'd do missions into El Hakram 
to check to see if anybody was like using it. So it's like some mm-hmm. of my first missions, like about this time of year, which would be oh six oh seven. I got we left October oh six, came home November oh seven, and I remember standing in a biochemical weapons lab, no mask, no nothing, and there's right. this dude all dressed up, looking in a white chemical suit, knocking things over, swiping some, things some off. Some seaburn guy or something. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sitting there, I'm like, this can't be good. What is he stirring up? <laughs> yeah. Know? If he needs a mask, shouldn't I be wearing something? I'm just sitting there like, oh, well. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the Joes are lighting up smokes and smashing rippets. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had wild tigers, man. That, oh, was, yeah. that was my We had the tigers, too. Oh, yeah. Just the tigers, dude. Rippets were Afghanistan for me, but... We had them both. I man, I would drink like ten or eleven of those sons of bitches a day. Like I, I'm surprised I don't have like kidney stones from that. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. But that was the only way to stay awake, man. I'd I'd have a chew in one side. I have a cigarette going. You know, if you're especially if you're on night shift, you know, oh, yeah. auditory and visual hallucinations just from being tired. Dude, Uncontrollable just... laughter, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you just smash a wild tiger before it. Yeah. It's got to be like, they're not the same. Like you can get them on Amazon every once in a while, but mm-hmm. they're, they don't taste the same it, if they haven't been baked in the Iraqi sun yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. They're, they're higher quality when they've been baked. And uh, I had to smash a wild tiger, grab a bottle of water, head up to the guard tower. Once it hits like 120 degrees, you're just sitting up there like seeing oh, yeah. sound, you know, and hearing yep. pictures. Like there ain't nothing getting past this guard tower, dude. I see yep. everything. <laughs> Right, you're like effectively like losing your fucking gourd up there. You know what I mean? Like, just going batshit. Yep, just mud for all you, all you can see. So, oh. goat yeah. herders, goat herders, man, everywhere. Yeah, that was a that was a trip for me. Like being in the city, you know, Ramadi's a it's the capital city of the Anbar, which is the biggest province in Iraq, mm-hmm. and you know, like kids herding goats through the streets and sheep and. Literally, you know, it was just, uh, it's kind of a, a trip when you come from here and you go there, it's, it's a completely different planet. That's the only way I could explain it, you know, completely different planet. Yeah. Even culturally, like that was another weird thing. Cause like going into country, they brief us like, don't shake hands with the women. And you're like, well, why not? Right. Cause it's, they're. Yeah. Don't they're, touch them. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Nothing. You're like, uh, yeah. They're okay. Like, <laughs> almost, you know. I used to stand up in the turret, you know, and give the, you know, when I go by him just cause, <laughs> just cause I'm a dickhead. Well, it was weird though. Some right. of the, some of the sections in that town, like the women would bring their kids out to wave at us, which was really weird. Like mm-hmm. one neighborhood in particular. And then every other neighborhoods, they would like run away from you. And I was like, what the hell dude? Just culturally just such a weird place to be. It definitely was, man. I mean, I don't know, and especially during the different phases of the war. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's what, like three, three or four phases, or no? Because the, what it, the operation changed names like four times because it was OIF yeah. and then it was Operation New Dawn, and then the New Dawn started uh, March 28th of 2010. Okay, and then yep. what was there was another one after that? But the camp you're talking about the campaign stars, right? Yes, the campaign stars. So there might only the be seven of those for yeah. OIF. I could be wrong. I hit two phases. Yep, it's it's seven. I'm looking at it right now. Yep. Okay. Because, yeah, we got there October 06 in, was it, one phase. And then in January, we switched over to the Iraqi surge phase. Yeah, the phase was uh, U.S. troop surge was 2007, I believe. So that's, like, right when I was going over, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had, so you had uh, phase one, beginning of the insurgency, 
Uh, phase two, insurgency expands, basically. Phase three, elections and transitional government, which was a big thing. Um, phase four, civil war and permanent Iraqi government. Phase five, U.S. troop surge. Phase six, the civil war continues. Phase seven, coalition redeployment. And phase eight, U.S. drawdown and Operation New Dawn begins. You know what's funny about those phases? So we were at six months and two weeks. I remember this because we all were like, hey, man, we're halfway done. And they told us we might get extended before we deployed. So we're all just sitting there quietly. And, like, you slowly see, like, some fist bumps. Like, don't let anybody see it, man, but we're halfway (laughs) there. And then at six months and two weeks, they pull us all in. They're like, hey, somebody let the FRG slip. And uh, all your wives know you've been extended to 15 months. So we're just going to go ahead and tell you guys. But that phase started in January. We deployed in October. So we hit six months, like, after that phase had started. They just didn't say anything. <laughs> and we were sitting there for, like, months. And we are, they already knew we were not going anywhere. We, we were going to stay longer. And they just let us, like, hang out for another three months, go, like, yeah, we're halfway done, man. And they're like, psych. That always sucks, though, man. I always used to say, I fucking love the Army, and the Army loves fucking me. Oh, it definitely you know? yeah. <laughs> Like us, it was always, yep, big green weenie strikes again. All the time, man. Always. Mm -hmm. That's crazy, though. They're like, hey, your family knows, but we figured we'd clue you in, too. You know, you're like, what the fuck? Like, shouldn't it be the other way around? They're like, whatever. whatsoever. Yep. Right, Yeah. And we, we knew, like, I was being super careful because Carrie was back up outside of Fort Rich at the time in Anchorage. And uh, she's like, hey, you know, I've been living in my friend's house. Should, like, we start, like, I don't want to wait and everybody get back. And then plus you have all the new troops that come in because we have a, it was Oconos up there. So it was overseas. So we have a three-year life cycle. So she was starting to see replacements and families start getting talked about. And she's like, dude, Josh, we need to find a place to live when you get back because, like, they're not going to let you in the barracks again and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. So I said, you know what? Go ahead and sign it. She signed that contract and then walked into an FRG meeting. She's like, I guess I could have waited three more months. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that sucks. Yep. It was all right. We got a nice little, little cool house. It was, it was cool to hang out at for when I got back because I had about nine months or so, which was good. Like, I think hanging out with your unit when you come home for a couple months is – Oh, that's good. Instead yeah. of doing a PCS right away. Right away. And, yeah. yeah. I had a lot of buddies leave right away. They went like third or fourth ID and within six months went right back to Iraq. Some of them in the same area. So it was, it was, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back and like being able to like go through that adjustment and like figure your head out for a few months with your friends was nice. Cause you, when you go, you got to figure all that stuff out too. Like when you first get there and make that transition. Yeah, I remember that shit was wild, man. We uh, we touched down in, in TQ, and, you know, they, they didn't say anything to us, you know. And looking back on it, like some of the older guys, I watched them, like, smirking and shit because the C-130 just pretty much starts falling out of the sky because, mm-hmm. you know, they do a combat landing where they corkscrew down. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, and they didn't say shit to us, you know. We didn't know what the hell to expect. We were the new kids on the block. Going down. So, like, you know, you just see everything that's not nailed down just hits the top of this plane. You know, we're like, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't hear things blow, but we're getting shot down or something. You know what I mean? Like, the guys that have been there before just start fucking laughing as we're freaking out, you know? Did you guys land in Ellis or TQ? 
I think we landed in TQ. TQ. Yeah. And then you had to like yeah. sleep in those transient tents forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I went into Biop. Oh, you flew into Biop? Yeah. Because then from Biop, I think that it was like a we, we Chinooked down to Fabiski. I remember that flight, but I gotta remember I'd jumped like 17 times. So I'd spent like a significant most of my military training started out in the C1, you know, C 130, C 17. And this thing, we're just flying and also just boom down. Or, and then even coming out, I forgot about it when I went on R and R and the plane just takes off and I'm just like sliding backwards. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a paratrooper, man. I don't yeah, need yeah, a seatbelt. Yeah. Like yeah, who needs good. to slap their, yeah, yeah, no, you need that. <laughs> you start sliding. <laughs> it's not the same. Uh, highly recommended. <laughs> highly, highly, highly recommended. Yeah. For some of our <laughs> listeners out here, man, we're going to throw out some acronyms once in a while, but Josh is talking about a place called BIOP. That's Baghdad International Airport. So, Yep, smack dab in the heart of it yeah. all. And then you mentioned everything being on fire. That was my first experience. I mean, come off the plane. We're just sitting on the tarmac in formation. You're not allowed to have phones out or anything, but somebody might have took a picture. Um, but don't <laughs> don't worry. I'm pretty sure my hard drive is dead now. Um but yeah, I just remember just black smoke and just sitting there. I'm like, dude, I really hope those aren't like IEDs and stuff. Cause you just come out of Kuwait. Like they, you come out of Kuwait and they're like, everything's an IED. Everything. There's going to be a dead dog, yeah. you know, and then like every 20 feet, there's a dead animal right. somewhere in a fucking pile of trash and some mm-hmm. kids fucking around in it, you know? Like, <laughs> right. And IEDs improvise explosive dice. So ro- roadside bombs. Right. And so you go through these IED roadside bomb training lanes in Kuwait and then you get in a gun turret and you realize that the entire country is a trash heap. Everything looks like mm-hmm. there's just random wires sticking out of random piles of dirt that aren't even IEDs. They're just clumps of trash on the side of the road. I remember my first patrol, mountain patrol, coming out of the Gov Center, like in the gun. And I was like scared to death, you know, the first time. I didn't show it, you know, but, and I've got it on my helmet cam and then we're just like kind of cruising. Hey, through. shit was whacker on the Gov Center too, Bro, it man. it was not a good place. The government center was a real, oh, real no. not, not chill place. So, and I just remember, I'm like, man, I was looking at everything. And then halfway through it, you just kind of got to decide like, well, I'm dead. Who fucking cares? I'm not right. going to know about it anyways. Just do your job, you know? And then after that, it was just like, okay, you know, it's my job. It's, let's go to work today. Yeah. It just becomes normal at some point. Like the heat drinking water that's like melting a pl- plastic bottle. Like that just becomes like normal. Yeah. Not having to start your uniform because your sweat does it for you. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you you know? take it off and it stands up in the corner by itself. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. All right. That'll work. I guess. We had, I had, we gave us uh, the first, uh, iteration of ACU. So we yeah. were on the fence. Like, I fucking hated ACU. They were terrible, dude. Like, Awful. Did we you were, get the flame retardant ones that turn pink after you wash them? No, I got Gen 1 ACUs. Oh, okay. And so we go through this issue up in Alaska because it was a debate. Like, are we going to get DCUs and then ACUs downrange or are we going to get ACUs? So they read everything, send it all up to Alaska. And I'm sitting in this line with literally a uniform. And I'll mind you, like, I was still sick, you know, a little bit taller and a lot. Like I was running 30 miles a week and was 19. I did not look like I look now. 
And so I'm just sitting there and looking like I'm a six-year-old wearing his dad's sweatshirt, yeah, wearing dude. an extra large, long ACU, <laughs> looking at a civilian who's looking at me. He's like, extra this- large and long? Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I was like, the, it literally like was pulled up around my feet. Cause you know, you're trying to mile without your, when you're in your PT clothes. Looking like, like a child soldier. Right. I can't even see my fingertips. And I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, I wear medium long. And he's like, we don't have that. I'm like, I can get you large long or large regular. And I'm like, well, large regular doesn't work because the blouse isn't long enough for, you know, the, the standard. So I'm sitting there in this large long looking at the guy looking at me and I'm like, my staff sergeant's going to kill me. Bro. Yeah, bro. You're, you're <laughs> like, shit. I just got issued for you. Who's this ate up piece of shit. Right. You know? <laughs> and Sergeant Dominguez was like, we called, we nicknamed him the demon dude. Like th- to tell you how mean this guy was. We are in Iraq, and and this is just to the bizarreness. Like, you're in the middle of a combat zone. Now, mind you, at this point, Elwell and Hayes, our gunners are now sergeants, and we're all sitting there spray-painting our Humvee bumper and lines on the parking lot. Now, mind you, nobody else is doing this because they couldn't get enough spray paint for the battalion, so the sergeant major was like, hey, we're not going to do this. But guess who found a can of spray paint? Sergeant Dominguez. And so we're up there spray-painting this thing in the sergeant first class stops and says, yo, Sergeant Major said, don't do that. And we all look him dead in the eye and said, but we're Staff Sergeant Dominguez guys. And he said to, I shit you not, this Sergeant First Class, a guy who outranks him enforcing a rule of the Battalion Sergeant Major, looks two NCOs and two spe- three specialists in the face and says, oh, yo, Dominguez just walked out of the chow hall. You guys might want to hurry up. <laughs> just like, and I'm so gotta mind you, like I'm sitting there. So I had to sell all my ACUs and then um then go out and buy my own. And they're the first gen; they would just rip. Yeah, like, dude, they blow out the just... blow out the pants, dude, all the time, man. Yep. You know, and I went commando, so like oh, I yeah. bend down, and then like my nutsack is hanging out of this thing. You we know, like literally, the, <laughs> we had the nut. We were required to wear that the nut protector yeah, flap yeah, yeah, portion yeah. of the uh, the, old, the old nut flap. Yeah, yeah, yeah nut so flap, right? just yeah. blow it out, and then if you yeah. had to go tinkle, dude, you just, you just like, lift up the up. flap. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best thing ever, yeah. dude. I can ball. So it kind of flips. So it kind of flips up when you just grab it and start pissing. Yep. <laughs> While you're walking too, because sometimes those patrols, if you were in the right neighborhood, you did not stop. But oh yeah, bro. Water, Man, trying to stay hydrated, you just pee while you walk. Yep. Get your camelback going. <laughs> I remember humping the 240 a couple times on like dismounted patrols through the city, and I'm like, this fucking sucks, dude. Oh, you yeah, know. Dude. Did I? I had the sixty millimeter tube, and oh, I the mortars. Yeah. yeah, so I slung that. We went handheld everywhere because once we put the bipod on, we had to get clearance, and we had to, only six minutes to or to shoot back. But if you go handheld with a sixty millimeter mortar, the ground commander clears it. So we'd be sitting there with it on a bipod, and we even that doesn't had, make any sense though. Uh, it's <laughs> for everybody that's listening. The ROE, the rules of engagement, were. Retarded. Didn't make any sense. It's so, like an old No, game. because like you can you can be a lot more accurate with that bipod right. than this hand loop. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, right. oh, Absolutely. I think it's gonna go over there. You right. know, you're like, oh shit, wrong house. Oh well. We <laughs> get shot at yeah. by mortars, and then because they couldn't get brigade to clear the fires within six minutes, because we had to call up to clear it, we weren't allowed to shoot back. So we just went handheld everywhere. So we'd carry the tube, I'd sling it to the left side, and then I'd have like four, six, 60 mic mic rounds. When I came home from Iraq, my pants hung crooked on me because my hips had literally oh, just yeah. shifted yeah. 
from how all that tilted, weight. Yeah. Yep. Plus you got your body armor on. Yep. And then somebody decided mags. I needed the 203 because nobody got tired of carrying that thing around. Then whoever had the shotgun got tired of carrying that thing yeah. around. Or a mossy 500. <laughs> oh yeah. I had five. I don't know why I had all that stuff. Eventually I just turned them in. But for a moment there, I just, everybody's like, I don't want to carry this anymore. Hey, I'm wearing it. Come here. <laughs> You're strong. Hold this. <laughs> now that was the amount of shit you had to carry was just ungodly. You know, yeah. and we had the fucking IOTV. That thing was a uber piece of shit. It's, what, it's, it's what replaced the IBA. I would have rather had an IBA because you I could open that. it up. You could pop it open in the middle, you know. Mm-hmm. IBAs were nice, man. I liked yep. it way better. I had the IOTV for Afghanistan. That, that thing sucked. Fell apart. Yeah. It was well, terrible. It, I, so I bought my own plate carrier when I went to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we were removed again from the flagpole so nobody fucking said anything and it was very compliant you know what i mean yeah, yeah everything had to be very compliant or else if you get killed your your wife doesn't get your four hundred dollars four hundred thousand dollars or whatever so yeah i mean you got me and drew here complaining about stuff and you got nick over here is like wait you they gave you new equipment <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will say yeah, though, bro, I, had, I had to rat fuck <laughs> stuff from you guys though like medical shit big time yeah, that's the one thing that surprised me. Like, dude, so the corpsmen, like, every, like they were always flat full on that equipment. And, like, we, the the army unit that was adjacent to us when we were up, like, at the Muthana Chemical Complex at uh, Camp Loss, like, we'd, you know, we'd be patrolling our AO border and shit, and we'd stop and, you know, compare notes because, you know, why use the Blue Forest Tracker when it's there <laughs> but yeah, and they're like they're like yo like you guys got you know you guys got this and that and we're like what's the, like yeah like what do you mean like yeah, we you don't have like that. triangle bandages and shit like that and they're like no dude like they we don't have, have shit we're like, like morphine like here you go yeah bad. i would so i'd go in like the you know that their mraps they'd have parked i'm like fuck this man i'm stealing this aid bag <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so i would and i'd i'd just give it to our our docs yeah, that was kind of cool, though, about the cool thing about being in the Anbar is, you know, there's always that army versus Marines, vice versa kind mm-hmm. of a thing mentality. But when you're there, like we worked with Marine infantry all the time. It was one nine walking dead when we were there. So and they had a weapons company like yep. right down the street. So we in, were, in Ramadi, yeah, I always yeah. remember calling into them, leaving yep. Dead Walker, Maine. Yep. Yep. Dead Walker, Maine, Dead Walker, Maine. Weapons company one, two, four, you know. I remember we were, um, I was, I was in the truck with my platoon commander and he's getting ready to call, you know, the request exit out the gate. And, um, there's a chick with just like her, like PT top on, you know, and Cammy's bottoms and, you know, being smart ass. I'm like, damn, look at them titties. You know what I mean? And he just (laughs) like looks to me with a mic up against the side of his head. His eyes are all big. And I was like, Oh, tell me you didn't have that mic key hot. He just nodded. <laughs> oh, like, man. Oh, shit. Did you hear Dead Walker Maine come by? It was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, permission granted. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I look at those titties. the wrong people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was like, oops. <laughs> Another thing is like, Queen, you dumbass. <laughs> right. <laughs> can't, can't hot mic on that stuff, dude. That's no. Yeah. Yeah, it's like battalion tack, you know what I mean? Like, especially somebody else's, you know, like, because, <laughs> you know, there's probably some, like, major in the COC, like, who the fuck said that? <laughs> you know? 
I, we didn't see it as much when we were in Iraq, you know, like you really like have your experiences like we've been talking about, like these random ones, right. That just kind of stand out to you. But like, nobody saw any of that stuff on TV and I had no idea. And like the day, like everybody's like, ah, oh, mediums, bad, media is bad, bad. I'm like, dude, I've known this since 2007. So we were in Jerfusucker for, I was there for 14 months and then total company 15. I just happened to get lucky and get one of the first, I think like flight two or three home. But we were at this point, we went from getting shot at every day. Like they were lobbing hand grenades over the walls. There was a palm grove and you know how the land works. You can't cut down stuff that's not on the land you rent. And it was in between two towers. And so they could get right up to the wall and throw these hang by the piss tubes, of course, too. So you had to go like, you're like, oh man, do I really got to pee today? <laughs> Just kind of like figure it out. And so we had a, a car bomb had blown piss up. Piss roulette. Say again? Piss roulette. <laughs> right? We just sit there like, hey, are the goats out? And then if the goats weren't out, we go. But the base got hit by a car bomb, like on the Iraqi uh, Afghani army, or sorry, Iraqi army side. So we were actually embedded. We had Iraqi army there. Then right across the street, we had Iraqi police. And those people, like, they're mean to each other. Bro, they would get in firefights. I remember at night, like, I'm like Mm -hmm. one IP station, dudes up there on a fucking dishka shooting at the other IP station, you know, and like you had to call shit up on the radio, you know, and they're right. like, yeah, they're just shooting at each other. <laughs> no they big deal. Didn't like each other. And of course they're all like Shiite and we're working in a Sunni yeah, neighborhood. Yep, Shiites which were was Sunnis, yeah. Like not good. They would drive past us to blow up the Iraqi yeah. police because how trash that doing how drive the Iraqi police would treat them. So yeah, they, they, uh, this reporter shows up, this building's been cleaned out. The school's open. The marketplace is open. Hell, dude, the town is having city council meetings. Like, we went from, like, you couldn't walk out the gate without getting blown up to kids playing soccer on the street corners downtown, right? Just a small T-intersection town. And this reporter, while we're bringing all these new berries in, none of us are wearing our body armor. We're in helmets, gloves, and hats because they're bringing these tall, like, 20-foot ones that they don't, so you don't want to get smashed by them, get your fingers pinched and what have not. And we're sitting there and this reporter on our base walks up to the last like five by six by like t- piece of roof that's laying down. Last piece of blown up anything in Jerfus Soccer Patrol Base. Puts all his body armor on, pinches his helmet in, and then gets down like real small into his microphone. Kind of like with his hands up in front of his face, all hunched up like he's getting shot at. I'm like, I'm going to beat the crap out oh, of this guy. Oh, God, yeah. Dude, like we were all looking at him. My NCO walked up and he's like, dude. I can see what you're thinking. You need to turn your back and look the other direction. Welcome to war. Yeah. Like that's what they do. And I'm like, seriously, we put all this work. We've lost all these guys, like over 30 purple hearts for the company, three KIA. And what does this guy do? Sits on the last piece of, doesn't show any of the progress. And I was like, dude, you gotta be kidding me, man. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to try to make a name for himself. Oh, that's it, man. Fucking reporters. And the media kind of did, did really fuck a lot of guys. Like you remember that, uh, I think it was in Fallujah, and they had like that CNN guy embedded in that squad. And I think uh, they were walking through this building and there was a guy that was, you know, still alive and he rolled over and the Marine shot him. Right. But it was on video and it went on the news and he got prosecuted for that because mm-hmm. he was no longer an enemy combatant, quote unquote. What they didn't tell you is that his buddy got zapped the day before. Same kind of a situation. You know what I'm saying? And these guys had been up for three days, four days, you know, going room to room, house to house, literally. Mm-hmm. 
But now you. But that's got, what we were trained to do. That's what right, we were taught right. to do, man. That's what I'm saying. If somebody rolls over, bro, yeah. they're either pulling you, a pin on a grenade yeah. or they got a handgun. You're getting shot in the grab. fucking face. That's just how it is. Yeah. I've heard, there's a that motherfucker moves. Thing. I'm yeah. blasting them. Well, and that and that's why the media, man. I mean, it just it fucks everything, man. I mean, like it's it's kind of a direct. That's a goddamn yeah. war. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I'm a, going home. It's a page out of the old playbook from Vietnam when Cronkite got on and goes, "The war in Vietnam is lost." You know. And then everybody at home's like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of like what happened with Iraq. And then you had the whole Abu Ghraib thing yeah. and just all that shit. But, you know, what what year were you talking about, Josh? Um, this was end of 2007. So they were all hyped up and excited because the surge was like in full swing at this point. And they I think they I, just started getting – that's how I got home. That's early. when Petraeus came on was, yeah. was uh, Dude, 07. Petraeus actually came yeah. out there. Uh, what was that admiral that was out there? So Petraeus went around, did all our reenlistment ceremonies. So somewhere on a share drive up in Alaska, there's pictures of me and Petraeus. And then interesting enough, his son joined the 173rd when I was in Afghanistan. He was my company XO for a while. So yeah, I met General Petraeus and then the Navy Admiral came down there. General Odenero came out oh, to yeah. Jerf Sucker yep. Patrol Base. We had the, I don't know if you guys heard about it or you guys did it, the, um, the Concerned Citizens Program. My company was one of the first ones oh, yeah, to do yeah, it yeah. south of Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And so everybody wanted to see it because we were dropping um, to get the Iraqis to be more involved. We were paying them to police their own streets because the Iraqi army and the Iraqi police weren't doing it. And then we're trying to get out of there. Right. So it was wild because you did you'd, you they would contract the, the local sheikh who would keep all the money. Wouldn't pay fair wage, the wages he was supposed to pay. And then these dads would send their teenage sons. I remember sitting in the gun current right after it came up. I was like rear truck at this TCP traffic control point. And these two little boys, like maybe 11, 13 years old, just start walking around the corner with an RPK and just belt fed ammunition out the ass, smiling and waving at me. And I'm like, dude, what do I do? Cause like yeah. I'm expecting men to come walking up the street, like yeah. military and like, no, they're, they're literally like 13 year old kid. <laughs> I have a kid that age a of one of those kids. or something. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Patton, my oldest is, is roughly around that age. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, I'm not going to shoot some kids, but like, I got to tell somebody cause who knows, like this could be like a diversion or something. Yeah. They, and just millions of dollars. We carried out in trash bags too. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was just well, wild. <laughs> well, the, the corruption was crazy. Go ahead, Nick. Oh yeah, when when we'd uh, go steal your shit in Ramadi, mm-hmm. so a lot of times what we do is go there to pick up uh, dispersing marine. Oh yeah, so yeah. we pick up this oh, cat the cat with mar- a, the a day pack, just full of fucking cash, man. And like they never really told us what we were doing, but you know after like the third time, like everybody figured it out because they didn't really want to tell you know a platoon full of like late teens, early twenties marines that like the students got like a quarter of a mil in his backpack and cold hard, you know, us dollars. <laughs> but, right. well, um, that was but dude, like we're, we're paying these fucking Iraqi cops out and shit. And like, the same thing, the, the sheik, you know, around the corner, like he's boys with us. I didn't, I never had a problem with him cause he'd feed us good. So, <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, it's like, dude, all this money, man, like we get brand new two forties, 
we still had the 240 golfs and we're unpacking brand new 240 Bravos and giving them to these Iraqi police. Yeah, you know, bro, I'm just like, motherfuckers, I'm like dude. what the fuck is the we matter with broke this ass right fucking here? Humvees that break down on the side of MSR Michigan. Mm-hmm. Fucking IA's got brand new shit, dude. Mine would catch fire. Oh, the yeah. Electrical was stuck yeah. jacked up. It caught fire. Yeah, and brand new like, hey, up-armored like, 350s. You know? <laughs> You got new Humvees? Dude, mine was a 998 with a Frag 4 kit when yep. I showed up. Oh, yeah. And then we installed the Frag 5 kit, which I later learned out, Kate Metzler from Fisher House, she was in Congress arguing for better body armor at that time. So I was like, oh, cool. Well, thank you, because <laughs> it worked a lot better. It was kind of a weird time, Nick. Like, you know, you're talking about coming to the Gov Center and picking up money. That money was there for one reason, and it was to pay IPs, and then it was also for this thing called martyr pay. And basically what happened is, like, if your old man was a fuck-up and he was an insurgency or in the insurgency and we fucked his ass up, we paid the family. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? But that whole thing, you know, stemmed from the liquidation of the army after the main invasion. Like, so you defeat the army and then you completely liquidate them. So these people have no jobs, right? And then AQI, Al-Qaeda, rolls into the area and they're like, hey, bro, want to make 30 bucks? Go dig yeah. that hole. You know what I mean? And that's why you were dusting dudes with shovels early on in the... in the. Yeah. Well, even when you mentioned Petraeus came in, the rules yeah. of engagement changed. It did. Because yeah. you could you could shoot somebody if they were filming an IED going off. Exactly. And if it, and then it became... They had to... Hostile intent, I remember, was the was the term. They had to point, point it at you. You know? And I'm like, by then, dude, it's too fucking late. We were looking for people with cell phones. Like, yep. at one point All in time, time when they... Because we got there, they went from the command wire roadside bombs over to the cell phone. So we had those command rhinos yeah. yep. in the front with for the, the plugs. Garage, with the yeah, plugs. Yeah. And then we had, I the called Duke it system the, in the back. Yeah, the John Wayne. And then a bunch of other stuff in there. And you're just sitting there and the gun turret next to this thing just goes buzzing all the time. You're like, dude, Bro, I'm, my brain's probably. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Smoked. I'm going to get some kind of crazy cancer. I guarantee <laughs> right? you all that radiation that that shit dude, emits. No way and I'm standing like level. right next to that motherfucker yeah. in the turret, you know? That's just wild, man. And so you sit there. And so yeah, at one point in time, it was like, dude, if you see if ID goes off, you see somebody in the in, the, in a field with a cell phone, shoot him, wax in the yeah. ass, dude. Yep. Like that's that we're gonna call that a hostile intent. Yeah, I mean, the, it really shifted in 2007. So uh, I'm gonna reference this: uh, the Anbar Awakening. I, I, Nick probably I remembers that the Awakening Councils, and basically it was, uh, you know, to get all the tribes, all the Sunni tribes to work together, right? All the sheikhs mm-hmm. to work together because the the violence was just so extreme in the Sunni triangle. And the only way that they were going to do it was by, um, you know, working together. So, and then a year later, you know, I was there for the, uh, uh, the pick ceremonies, what they called that. And that's when we actually handed the Anbar province over. And I think that was November of 2008, yeah, because uh, Obama actually came out to the Gov Center, which was cool. I got a Secret Service coin, right? We got nice. to work with their with their advance party, and he came out, and I didn't see him. I was on top of the Gov Center with a, with a two forty for two days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a couple other people did. But that's when it like really shifted, and like you were talking about the progress. You know what I mean? And early on, the progress was never noted. It was just all the bad shit that was going on, right. and and you know you can't get the support of your people back home. Mm-hmm. you know, behind you because they don't understand it. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not walking in your boots, you know, they're at home at the shopping yeah. mall, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, crazy shit, man. But, uh, 2008 kind of was like a turning point and that's when it was, you know, 
things are starting to cool down. But I remember being uh, in Camp Ramadi and they had that huge VBID that came in that hit uh, that checkpoint outside of Ramadi that killed those two Marines in 08. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, man. That was, um, who was that? That was, I think, uh, three, six. Yeah. It, it wasn't us, but it was close to us. Uh, um, I, I, it, that woke, was, it woke me up. We were in the old buildings in in Ramadi, the old World War II barracks that they had set up there because it used to be a British base. And mm-hmm. I remember just like hearing this like low subwave kind of a thing and then dust just coming down, man. And it was within like a half mile of us and it, it vaporized everything around the yeah. area, man. It was just, it was intense. Good old 08. Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking about uh, the different phases. Um, You know, you have all these elections that go on, and it was the first time in I don't know how long that Iraq had had elections, you know. They had soccer games before they had elections. That's exactly (laughs) it, man. Oh, that's another thing I remember, man. They won, like, some World Cup thing. Yeah, they they And we weren't allowed to go outside because – it was like every asshole that had a belt-fed weapon or an AK yep. was shooting it in the air. That and- was fall 2007. Yep. I was in the gun turret on patrol, and all of a sudden, shots to my yeah. left, shots to my right, oh, yeah. front, and I'm yep. in the like, it's all truck, celebratory. and I'm freaking out. And then all of a sudden, comes over the radio, all oh, the soccer, they, they're like, hey, Wiener, that was my nickname at the time. They're like, just get low. <laughs> so I'm just sitting in the gun turret, like pulling my IBA up like <laughs> yep. next to my helmet, like, please, nothing fall down. It was crazy, man. Like, you know there's like rounds falling all around. You you know, the whole city is shooting machine guns in the air. You know what I mean? Fucking idiots, dude. Oh, goodness. Dude, it's like Fridays. They, you know, they do their weddings and shit on Fridays. And like, same thing. They just be walking down the street, just, just blasting AKs in the air. Yeah. And at first you're like, what the shit? You know what I mean? That we picked up. This colonel's like, Hey, I want my guy to ride in a gun. And I'm like, uh, no, and he's like, uh, yeah. And I go, okay, I mean, you're, you're a colonel. I'm a specialist, I guess. And this dude fired into a wedding party with a 50. <laughs> it was celebratory fire. It didn't hit anybody. Oh, shit. I couldn't believe it, though. Like, oh, yeah. Damn, dude. He got lucky. Because there was it's a, like, I, I pulled, shitty shot. <laughs> so I was in a dismount. See, I pulled the that quick thing because he was sitting on it. And he's just like, da, 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 right? I pulled it, and he fell right out of the out of the turret and I go, that's why you're not fucking in the turret. <laughs> yeah. Left seat, right seat. <laughs> yeah. Right, dude. You know, you exactly. Sick. You watch first, man, for that reason. The dude, there was a tank that hit a, a wedding. I think. Oh yeah. Was it? Oh, four, oh five before people realized that some rounds bounced off from it. Tank swung over. Boom. Taking a big gun. Tank man. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. All that stuff. Uh, it's pretty crazy to think about it, man. I mean, so August 31st of 2010 really is like the, the, the day that it officially ended, I guess. And you think about that, man, that's, that's what we had about 4,700 guys, guys and gals that gave their life, you know, and it, I don't know. Those, uh, those yeah, military, were, yep. yeah, it was like what 4,600 troops. And it was like, uh, like about 3,600 like contractors, you yeah. know, private contractors, you know, yeah. like. Not to mention the tens of thousands of civilians that got waxed and just, you know. Dude, they used to target them, too. Yeah. That was, like, some of the craziest stuff. Right? We just we were out of body bags at one point, and it wasn't because of people we were killing. We were cleaning up the people yeah. that were being oh, killed. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's who always suffers in war, man. 
it's not the it's not the opposing sides, man. It's the people that are caught in the middle. It's the civilians, the innocent life, particularly in Iraq, yep. women and children, women they and children, man. killing women and children. Oh, it's dude, terrible. that's that's one of the issues that I have, you know, because oh, yeah. they would bring dead kids to the gate all the time. Yep, kids that are shot up and bleeding and just mm-hmm. you know, crazy shit, man. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, so crazy, crazy, crazy talk, but. uh you know, you think about that 20 years ago, man. Holy shit. Where does the time go? I don't know, man. <laughs> you know? I'm going to go get my uh, cane after this. Though, yeah, right you now, know sure. what I mean? Yep. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I know. It's like, I don't know. You get back in the first couple of years, it's like, you know, it's fresh and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, a couple of years ago. I just got out a couple of years ago. I just got back a couple of years ago. And then, like. I remember at one point in time, it was, it was, uh, it was probably like, I don't know, 2016, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, it was just a couple of years ago. And I'm like, nah, dude, that was like seven fucking years ago that you got back from that deployment. And it's like, damn, dude, it's like, you know, it feels like forever ago. And then it's like yesterday at the same time, you know, and it's like, oh, it was a long time ago. And then I think about like Afghanistan and Afghanistan still fresh in my mind, you know, that was 12. You know, 2012, and I'm like, holy shit. Then I, we see, like, so my wife worked at the child care center, and just to give an idea, like, how long it's been. So she was doing early childhood care at the CDC on post, and they, she had one of the NCOs, the, one of the other 11 Charlie NCOs from a different company, she had her, his kids, his twins. He's posting on Facebook about their graduation party, and I'm like those kids are graduating. I was like, cause I, you look bigger then like yeah. you're like 19, 20, you're super young. Yep. And like, you're talking about these like two to three year old kids and now they're graduating high school and you're like, Holy well, crap. That's dude. what's crazy about the GWAT. So longest running war in American history, right? Yeah. Since 2001. So it's the only war where like you could have been born at the beginning of it and then actually served in it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's think about well, then, that. It's a pretty profound statement. Well, you'd be a, you had sons, at least fathers and sons. I know uh, my um, dad, my dad and I, I mean, you know, he mm-hmm. was there Oh three Oh four. And then like we, we pounded kind of the same area together, which is cool because I can talk our, to my dad about, Hey, you remember? Yeah. One of our you know, medics met his dad who was a Colonel in Baghdad. Oh, that's cool. And his brother was there too. Yeah. And then when I got to the one seventy third, everybody knows about the Restrepo tour, but yeah, oh, yeah. not very many yeah. people know. So our major Vimoto's son was in that brigade with him oh. and was killed in action. While they were deployed on that in tour, so, province, yeah. yeah. So the the length of the war, you had fathers and sons literally high fiving each other out in infantry units as they're they're coming in and coming going. Brothers sitting there, and and I'm sure we haven't talked about it, but I'm sure there had to be a couple like daughters coming through and mothers going in and out. Because I, you know, so you talk about dual military families. You had parents switching on and off too. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're like one parent for one year and then, you know, mom yep. goes, dad goes the next year. And then yep. you get one parent for two years. So and those rotations are brutal, man, because you know, mm-hmm. you're home, you might have a little bit of dwell time and then you're fucking on the next. People wonder why the divorce. Exactly, man. You know, <laughs> so you spend but, two years with just your kids and not your spouse. Well, and that's it. You talk to some guys, you know, other, other wars, it's like, you know, the most you'd hear is, yeah, maybe two or three tours. You've got guys that have five, six, seven mm-hmm. tours. And in the Army side of things, that's 12 months, 12 months, bro. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, but I got a buddy that's got five to seven tours when I met him. And he, he was just, he was third ID every 12 months. Went nonstop. So, yeah. So, I don't know, kind of like looking back for me like that, the kind of wrap this conversation up a little bit because we're hitting that time moment, you know, that time frame here is just, 
how bizarre it was. And my kids were asking me a bunch of questions they're getting older and they're asking me more and more questions. Right. Cause they're around foundation 14. They're around vets all the time. Plus, you know, they pretty much grew up at the Legion with me being an officer there. And so they're getting curious and they're hitting that point in history where they're reading about some of this stuff. And one of them asked me like, so what was the war in Iraq about? And I was like, you know what, man, there's a lot of political stuff. And a lot of people have their opinions <laughs> right. about it. Like, Good fucking question, kid. Right. And I said, but ultimately, like, this is my takeaway. And I feel like if you talk to, you know, anybody that served there, there's going to be two answers. One, the Saddam regime was really bad and it treated those people terribly. And I, you know, I didn't get into details with them because some of them are kind of hard to sit there and like, mm-hmm. think about the, you can't explain the torture rape, right. And, you know, and then, but also to sit there and after like watching this clean up women and children from the marketplace every day to then open the school and watch little girls go to school for the first time and like, and then have them high five you like they're not supposed to, right. They just, they wanted to do it. And then, so I was like, one, the citizens there, the Iraqis, it's not a great place to live. And so we tried to help them out. And yeah, it didn't really pan out the way like anybody would have wished it would have worked out for them. But you know, you can only do what you can do while you're there. And I said, then the other reason why is like, yeah, like maybe you maybe didn't want to go, Looking back, it would be nice to not have those memories, but there's not a soul in this world that ever served in that war that would say, I wouldn't go back if my buddies weren't going to go back. Oh, yeah, dude. So, in a heartbeat, man. Yeah. I said, so when it comes to push comes to shove, dude, I told my kids like two reasons. One, those citizens, those Iraqis, they needed help. And two, I wouldn't leave my buddies back in that situation again either. Got some closing thoughts, Nick? Yeah, it's, you know, it's crazy because I've, I've dwelled on it. <laughs> in the past and it, it bothered me for a while, but I don't really let it bother me anymore. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, um, you know, like you guys have served in Afghanistan, you know, it's like the pull out in Afghanistan, you know, I had people text me like, so like, how do you feel about it? I'm like, well, I didn't really have any skin in that one. So I can't really say anything, you know, like I don't have anything personal with it. I said, you know, I know a bunch of dudes that do, but you know, Josh, like what you were saying, like, you know, there was a time that like, you kind of figured out like what we were doing over there, like this hearts and minds campaign and shit, you know, like you you knew it was like, this shit ain't going to work. You know what I mean? Like you're sitting there trying to train, you know, local cops and the military and stuff. And, there were some that really had their heart in it, you know, but for the most part, it was just, you know, Hey, what can I get out of this? Me, 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 you know? And it's like, well, they don't, they don't have any kind of nationalistic feelings or anything like that. Like, you know, it's not at all. It's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a arguably an American thing, you know, oh, you got to fight for your country and this and that. They don't give a fuck well, about that's why that. They shit the bed when, when we pulled out, it was a power vacuum. Right? Yeah. The ISIS just steamrolled everything. And these guys didn't give a shit. They laid down. The no, bags. they didn't give a fuck. They're like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, whatever. But, um, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I half jokingly say this, you know, like, um, I was talking to a guy about, you know, like school benefits that I'm using now. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's the least Dick Cheney could do since I went and fought a war for him. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like they're like what? And I'm like, we're not getting in the weeds on this right now. I'm like, I'll explain sometime later, you know. But it's like, 
you know, that was my attitude is I, I want to leave this place, you know, my little area of this country better than what it was when we got there. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of took that, you know, as a personal responsibility. Cause I'm like, you know, what the fuck else are we doing here? You know, if it's not for that, you know, especially the 08 at that point of the war, you know, and there was, there were some good things, you know, that, that came out of it. Just, you know, my area, you know, getting stuff more stable, building other schools, you know, and, you know, trying to get the infrastructure built back up and everything. Um, but then, you know, then at the end when we, you know, pulled out, pulled out, like you said, like, it was just a power vacuum, you know, and that happened. And, um, man, that, that really kind of kicked me in the nuts. Cause I'm like, man, all that I'm like, done. what the fuck did I waste all that time over there all for? Buddies that got whacked. And then all the guys that took their yeah. came home, what a fucking waste. I don't know. Like, what the fuck was that even all about then? You know what I mean? Like, great. You know, cause it's like, you know, I, I Marine Corps deployments, eight months, but you know, it just wasn't eight months of my life. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's, that's years of not realizing that you're fucked up in the head when you come back and before the war, dealing with shit. After the war, you know. Yeah, and it's like, man, that was that that was kind. Of, that was really rough for me to come to terms, um, you know, with that kind of thought about it. But it still is, you know. I talk to people, um, you know, the veterans off and on, like with my work and stuff like that, and it's a consistent theme, you know, to think about why we were there. And then everybody makes peace with it their own way. Everybody rationalizes it differently. Yep. And it takes years to to do that, especially when you come home to a country that doesn't really seem to realize there was even anything going on or they don't understand. And and especially when they don't understand the nuances, like they're like, oh, it was just over oil. And it's like, no, it had bro, nothing to do like, with we oil. Didn't do we didn't, we didn't take oil. drop number one of oil. It's, yeah, oh, it's Bush like, is for oil. And I'm like, nah, dude. Yeah. So just the nuances of it all are just really wild. Jerry, you got anything you want to say before we wrap this up? Oh man. Just uh, for our listeners, man, my brothers and sisters out there, if uh, you guys went over, just want to say thanks for your service and uh, you know, the sacrifices that your family and that you guys have had to make too. So we're, uh, we're all about it, man, taking care of each other, and that's what we do at Foundation 14. So 20 years, man, 2003 to 2023, holy shit, where does the time go? Yeah. Crazy. But. And like Drew said, uh, especially if you served or even if you didn't serve, you know somebody that served, whether you ride a motorcycle or not, man, check us out. Check Foundation 14 out on Facebook. It's not just, you know, it's not just about the bike, right? So you can come out to one of our events, hang out, you know, Learn you check to out our website too, to. yeah, foundation14.org. Check out the website. You've got some contact down phone there. So if you have any questions, comments, maybe there's a topic you'd like us to uh, to cover in the future, go ahead, shoot us an email, message us, and uh, let us know. Um, until then, thanks for calling in, Nick. Hopefully we'll get you back on here, and I'll fix my cell phone better so it doesn't cut you off next time. And <laughs> So, yeah. but Always a pleasure, guys. I'm just uh, seeing you in person, and uh... – We'll uh, we'll be talking soon. Everybody else out there, enjoy your life. You know, you only got one to live. Make sure you keep it sunny side up. <laughs> <laughs>